0: Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA society. Not We've got a few recovery periods, we have your back, and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join, and the link is in the show notes for you. Okay, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Dani Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. And quick disclaimer, guys, I'm not a doctor, and none of the information in this podcast is intended to replace medical advice. Always seek the advice from your physician. And guys, I wanted to share with you something I'm really excited about. I created a seven-day period recovery commitment challenge. And I made this about a month ago. I posted it on Instagram. And I had about 70 women go through this challenge and it was super amazing. So I am now sharing it with you where most of my amazing audience is here on the podcast. And I wanted you to know about it to see if you wanted to come and join me. So if you have HA and you're actually in a point at a point where you're struggling to make the leap and actually commit to the commitment, <laughs> actually commit to recovery. I would love for you to join. And it's really simple. It's actually just seven days of emails. So I send you one email every day challenging you to do one particular part of the commitment. So this looks like committing to eating more. Then this looks like committing to working out less. Then this looks like committing to getting the support that you need. And making the mindset shifts that you need to make. And deciding to make actual changes to your life that allows you to actually get your period back for good. And then to like reflect on how that went and if you think you can keep going down this recovery track. The challenge is free. It's basically an accumulation of everything that I have spoken to so many women about so far. And I I mean, I just feel like I'm in the DMs and in the emails a lot talking to women about making the decisions and the commitment to change a certain aspect of their life to get their period back. So I've basically put it all together, all of the main roadblocks that we find and all of the best mindset strategies that I have for helping you make the decision to commit and get your period back. So if it's something you're interested in, the link to this challenge is in the show notes. All you have to do is chuck in your email and I will send one email to you every day for seven days. And you should be able to go to hapodcast.com forward slash seven day challenge Let us all hope that my husband has set that up for me successfully by the time this airs. Fingers crossed. But if he hasn't, I'll have a word to him. And uh, yeah, just click the link in the show notes. Hmm. Okay, enjoy the show with Leanne, guys. Hey guys, welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, the hardest podcast to say on the internet. We are here joined by Leanne. Leanne Mutulo I help me out yeah not my name but (laughs) no yeah Yeah. well I love it anyway it sounds very Italian or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah cool um Leanne is here to share with us both her story from well she has a lot to share about maybe like Eastern Mm methodologies that we're all kind of curious about. You know what works, what doesn't, what's for me, what's not. Um, Should I just focus Western medicine? And she's gonna introduce herself, what she does, and she's gonna just roll with her story. And I'm hoping that you'll all learn a thing or two about, I don't know, like what rabbit hole you should Mm -hmm. go down in like (laughs) rabbit hole. (laughs) I I feel like when I hear, yeah, I just. I just think it's like a when you dive into the the HA thing, the whole situation, and you start to learn about what works and what doesn't and what other people do, and and you've tried every Western route, and you've tried to eat more, and you've tried to exercise less, and maybe it's still not working, and then people are like, well, what else can I do to help myself. And I think that you're going to have some interesting stories and insights to tell. So take it away, girls.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for putting this together. You know, when we connected over Instagram, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so perfect. Because I think for a lot of us, when we have been diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea, uh, when we've been working through it, there aren't a whole lot of resources out there. And I'll be honest, there also aren't a whole lot of resources out there when it comes to the yoga space, the Eastern medicine space, Mm -hmm. the Ayurveda space. It's out there. It's just a little bit hard to to uncover. So so thank you for having me and for offering that. You're welcome. So, yeah, yeah. So I am a yoga therapist and I came into yoga therapy, not necessarily for women's health. I came into it because I was also working with kids and I was working with teens, at-risk youth. And I just found that there's a very real body-mind connection, which I can get into. Uh, And so... But my story took a bit of a turn when I was actually diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea myself. So I can briefly talk about what yoga therapy is and then maybe go into my story and you can pause me at any point along the way. Uh, yoga therapy is a healing modality. So, just like there are other modalities towards wellness, towards healing, whether it be like mental health therapy or physical therapy or Reiki or whatever, yoga therapy is another tool. And so, really, what we're doing in yoga therapy is we're looking at the individual rather than the diagnosis. So, when somebody is coming to yoga therapy and they're saying, you know, I have I, I amenorrhea have or have PCOS or I have anxiety or something along those lines we're treating the person rather than creating a protocol for, for the diagnosis, if that makes sense. And so to do that, there is a model in yoga therapy. It's called the kosha model. We can dive into that too. The kosha model is essentially looking at the many layers of what it means to be human and saying that we can't separate these things when we're trying to create wellness in the body mind system. And so I won't say them all in Sanskrit. I can but I won't say them all in Sanskrit now. So the five layers would be the physical, the energetic, the emotional, the intuitive and the spiritual. And so kosha means layer or means body. And so what I do is I work with individuals to assess like wellness in all of those areas and to integrate them. So again, I'm really looking at an individual's environment, an individual's constitution, and I'm using the tools of yoga and Ayurveda to do that. So tools of yoga would be things that we might see when we go into a yoga practice, when we go into a yoga class. So the asana, the postures, But it's also much deeper than that so i'm also using breath work i use a lot of breath work when working with working with folks Uh, meditation i use quite a bit of ayurveda tools so ayurveda is the science of life and it's uh one of the oldest forms of medicine in the world and so what i found is that uh, individuals really see more progress because they're just integrating all of these pieces of themselves so that's a little bit about what i do in terms of yoga therapy uh, and bringing in Ayurveda, so sometimes these worlds are separate, and I just kind of combine the two. I bring them together.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. thank you. I'm sure a lot of people are actually really curious, including myself. Like, where does yoga and you know those kinds of practices fit into mm. into having HA? So yeah, cool. yeah. So what happened next? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, let me actually. So when it comes to yoga and HA, that's actually a part of my story.
0: So I can go. Mm. I can share a little
1: bit about that. So I was diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea maybe like, I'm thinking like six or seven years ago. Um, and so at that time, I was, I was pretty young. I, was, I wanted to start a family. I, wanted, I was about 26 when I, when I originally found out. And so my husband and I had started to decide, yeah, we want to we have a family. And so like a lot of women, I was on the pill for maybe close to a decade, (laughs) you know, when you're on the pill, I don't think, you know, a whole lot of what's happening to you. And so you're actually not having a natural cycle. So when I came off, I thought, Oh, well, this will be easy. I'll come off the pill. My, like my period will start like no problem. Uh, however, there was this kind of thing and like this, this fear in the back of my mind that it wouldn't be that easy. I think that was kind of like my tuition, like, "Eh," you know, like there's actually more, more to, to this. And so a month went by two months went by three months went by and I still hadn't gotten I hadn't started I had started my cycle, and so I went to my doctor, so my OBGYN. And uh, she wasn't concerned. You know, she took my vitals, she took my weight, she asked about my movement practices. She wasn't concerned. She said, "This is sometimes what happens when you come off the pill. you just have to have to wait it out. Uh, however, six months went by, and I was like, eh, I think something's actually wrong." And at that time, too, these are pretty classic symptoms uh, for a lot of people when it comes to amenorrhea. My hair was falling out, my nails were really brittle. Um, I had horrible digestion. So there's just all these other symptoms that were continuing to creep up. And so I eventually went to see a reproductive endocrinologist and uh, I had a very hard visit with him. (laughs) I don't know if other people have had, you know, hard visits with some, and this is also a very sensitive matter. It's a sensitive Mm -hmm. experience, but I remember going to, to see him and again, had taken all the blood work. Uh, my blood work was all over the place, so this is very like okay, you're you're having an issue. This is like kind of the rabbit hole you go down in the Western in the Western model. Um, my blood work was all over the place. Some hormones really high, some really low. You know, I ordered all the tests. I had the ultrasound. I had the the HSG. And, and folks would know what that is, where they're kind of testing to see if there's a blockage in the fallopian tubes. Uh, all the, yeah, all of those things were fine. They came back normal. However, the one thing he said that still kind of stands out to me to this day is that when they looked at the ultrasound that my uterus, and again, at this point, I was like 27. My uterus was uh, looked like that of a postmenopausal woman. (laughs) And I just, without actually saying this is your diagnosis. So basically just saying that to me and saying that you'll essentially, you may be able to write this, but probably not on your own. And then he said, I'm diagnosing you with hypothalamic amenorrhea. And when I asked him, you know, he basically said that your reproductive system has shut down. It just has shut down. And and I know that you've had other guests talk about what this is, what, what this diagnosis actually is on, on the show before. Well, feel um, free to
0: repeat it if you want to. Yeah, um, I mean, You never know who's just jumping right,
1: in. Who's, who's coming on. Well, it was just really interesting because that was essentially the way that he said it. Like basically it shut down. I don't know if it'll turn back on again. And it was really, really abrupt. It was really hard for me to hear, but there was something in my body that was like, actually he's wrong. Like he's wrong. Like my body actually can heal. I don't know how, but I think it can heal. I think it can bring it back. It's back to balance. Yeah, I had
0: the same uh, like, intuition of not not the same story, but just yeah. like and being like, well, if you take this, um, this progesterone challenge, you'll get your period back. I'm uh-huh. just feeling like, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah.
1: I did that too. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it, exactly. Exactly. So I just remember that feeling and being so angry, but I think I needed that kind of wake up call because when I, and I went to see him like for maybe like six months after the fact um, and he kept recommending IUI. And again, we wanted to get pregnant. So it wasn't just about bringing my cycle back for, for the sake of health. I think that's definitely a piece of it. But at the time I was just like, baby, 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 <laughs> you know? And so he was recommending IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, and then IVF, so in vitro fertilization. And then something, nothing is wrong with those those practices, but something in me was like, no, like, I am going to write this. I'm going to figure this out. And so around that time, I started to actually really look inwards at, like, what I was doing. So when he diagnosed me with this, and he was basically saying, "Your, your reproductive system has shut down. And then I started to do some more research. And one of the definitions that really hit me of HA was there's too much mental and physical stress on the body. So not like one or the other, but usually they run in tandem. And when that happens, the body needs to stay, wants to stay alive. So it's just going to redirect, you know, attention into all the other places. So digestion and decreasing inflammation and getting rest. And for whatever reason, I was like, so what stress am I putting on my body?
0: That was my, my next body. question. I was yeah. like, okay, so do you know what was up? What, what So, were you so stressed
1: about? at the time, no, like, I, I mean, I kind of did. So on the more physical side, I was, uh, I was a dancer for 23 years and so I had been on the pill in part of my dance career. And then, and so a lot, of what I'm saying is I think I've actually had this condition for a lot longer than maybe the few years coming off of the pill. Um, but after that I had been diagnosed in my early twenties, I was diagnosed with a gluten allergy. So I became really obsessed with food. And so I know that people are starting to become more familiar with this term orthorexic. I was definitely that like I ate, but I just watched everything that I ate, you know, certain foods were bad, certain foods were good. Uh, and then I ran a ton. Like I was a, I was a big runner. So it's just that classic, like over-exercising, under-eating kind of, um, kind of mentality in the world and the hard part is you get praised for it you know hard part is like that's like an acceptable addiction in the western world is to you know to to be that active to be able to run miles and miles and miles I had started doing yoga so after I got off of the out of the dance world I had started doing yoga but I was only doing like power yoga hot yoga things that were really intense and so what we're talking about here is not only things that are like physically stressful, but also things that are mentally stressful. So I also had this mental stress of, I was a director of development. So I was a director of fundraising and I was like obsessed with, you know, climbing a ladder and like continuing my career. And so all these worlds kind of collide. And what I think I was doing was using the exercise and the food to create some sense of control and my stressed out mind. And actually it just created more stress. And that's what re- what really led to the amenorrhea. And so when I really think about it, you know, the, all of these pieces and addictions talked about a lot in our culture, but all of these pieces are forms of addiction, you know, like overworking and, and, uh, overexercising and maybe like under eating or obsession with food. Like these are all, these are all addictions. And so that was one of the things that I had to start to focus and grapple with. And the hard part is you can't take a pill for that. <laughs> like you really have to really take your time and ease into it. So that is, You know, long story short that and we can dive more into that, too. But that was kind of the process that I went down. I stopped seeing him. I did see another I got referred to another OBGYN, got a couple of other referrals. And they I felt like I was just, a, you know, a project like a scientific project. You know, they're like, oh, there could be something wrong with your chromosomes or like, oh, like this could be wrong. You know, I started to gain weight a bit but I really wasn't, I wasn't getting my cycle back. And at this point it became less about having a kid and more about like, well, I just need to be healthy because now I'm learning more about HA and I'm learning more about the effects of it, you know, like in terms of like osteoporosis and bone density and all of those things. And, uh, I just wanted to write the ship. So I started to now do what I practice, what I teach other people on, which is yoga therapy. And then I also started, which I know we were going to talk about I also started to see an acupuncturist and within six months of really like totally revamping my lifestyle, I got my cycle back and it was like the best day ever because I hadn't had a natural period in probably like 12 years, you know, because being on the pill, it's not a natural one. And then I had two regular cycles, wasn't necessarily trying to get pregnant, but after two cycles, I found out I was pregnant with our son. So it was like- yeah it was like a happy ending you know and an incredibly challenging (laughs) way to get there uh but yeah that's like that's really the and I hope that that's helpful because I think a lot of women go down those those paths
0: yeah Mm -hmm. I think a couple based on some of the dms that I've been getting um a lot of people message me and they're like are you gonna have someone talk about this kind of thing and are you gonna have someone share this story because I'm not actually trying to get pregnant and um even though you know part of your story was that
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, that you were trying to get pregnant, it's like very important to me to make clear that like regardless of that goal, it's still the same situation for everyone.
1: Yeah, nodding my um, head. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And so it's cool how you were just like, "Oh, I'm not ready to have a baby. At no, this point. yeah. I have to fix these other these other issues." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also just to touch on the the piece, where a it's not necessarily just like all about weight loss for people. And I'm sure like a part of it really was for you because A, that's the culture we're in and B, yeah. you are a dancer and mm-hmm. that's a part of that culture too. And the orthorexia one's just so important, uh, so prominent, right? Like yeah. even though we're trying to eat, we're trying to eat, 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 uh, we're still really mindful about what we're putting in our body. Mm-hmm. And people – which is how we accidentally got in this situation.
1: Yeah.
0: And so it's so counterintuitive and and confusing and challenging for people to just eat more of anything and do no exercise. And it's really a part of many of our, like, personalities to want to go down this route that we're about to talk about Mm -hmm. of um, healing with, you know, every other possible option. Yeah. there's so much skepticism about whether or not those things work, including mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> I, well, I did, I've done a couple of things. So I'm really excited to hear about this from you because I did a couple of things and then I like got a few random periods mm. over my time. And I was like, well, that's weird because I just went to the chiropractor for the mm. first time and I just got a period and I did nothing else different mm. or I did some acupuncture and then like six weeks mm. later I got a period and I did nothing else different mm, very but interesting. super interesting but I couldn't get those things to work again
1: I oh, gotcha
0: so okay. I'm like super confused like and
1: a subtle little like push from like the energetic realm that like you're stepping in the right direction right <laughs>
0: yeah but it, yeah. I'm curious you know yeah. is it like the fact that that worked and then i focused so much on it did that like just re-spike yeah. my stress and start something all over again right. so please tell, teach yeah. me
1: so when you say that it, it it the word that comes to mind is prana and then chi so so yes it could be that it could be like oh my stress my like my head kind of wrapping around this and like wanting there to be a particular outcome could be the reason why that's not happening but both of those modalities so chiropractor work and then chiropractic work and then also acupuncture they're working with prana, whether or not they say it. So acupuncture, Chinese medicine, they would more liken it to qi. So prana is in yoga, qi is in Chinese medicine. They both are derived from, uh, from Ayurveda, which I get, again, I, I talked about earlier is the, the oldest form of medicine, one of the oldest forms of medicine. And they both mean life force energy. So what we're trying to do, and this is where like it gets a little woo and people who are like, eh, I don't know. So I don't usually like pull that one out of the gate. But if we're doing yoga practices, if we're doing meditation, if we're putting ourselves in nature, if we're interested in acupuncture, we're trying to build our energy. We're trying to literally feel good in our body, you know, like even exercise, moving our bodies, what we consume, all of that is contributing to life force energy. And so what I'm not as familiar with chiropractic work, I did a little bit of it, but I'm very much more familiar with Ayurveda yoga therapy and then of course acupuncture mm-hmm. is those those modalities when you're doing acupuncture they're actually stimulating the fascia and so the fascia contains in, in in Chinese medicine and also in Ayurveda it's like this it's the connective tissue that runs throughout the body so it's not your muscles not your ligaments your your joints your bones it's like the connective tissue that kind of is, is in between those spaces and there's a lot of research being done on fascia but one of the things that I've been reading a lot about is that when when you're doing acupuncture, the needles they stimulate that connective tissue, and that c- tissue has memory. And what we're trying to do is actually stimulate it to build the life force energy, to actually build some more stabilizing force in the body. If that if that kind of makes sense. So it sounds like to me that the body was stimulated by in a good way by using chiropractic work and acupuncture. And I don't know how much like how much time was spaced in between. I think. A lot of times when you're trying to to write something or you're really trying to heal, it takes uh, a lot more than maybe like, for example, for me, when I was doing acupuncture, I was going every week for six months, which a lot of, for a lot of people that may not be accessible, you know, every other week, which is one of the reasons why I also like yoga therapy, because you can do a lot of it at home. You don't necessarily need to see a th- yoga therapist every single time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's like, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah.
0: I mean... Mm-hmm. I was just like telling you where my curiosity comes from, basically. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people have these experiences where they're like Mm -hmm. either A, that didn't work or B, did that work? I think that might've actually worked and I, I can't quite tell. So when it comes to, well, what, I'll see my question over here more specifically. (laughs) So can you dive a little bit into what it looks like specifically for HA recovery when you blend Western and Eastern mm-hmm. modalities? Mm-hmm. Like what is, where is the best place maybe for someone to start? What could they expect? Yeah. Um, and just like if you have HA, like where, what's good?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, we want these practices to work together and you also want to take what resonates and like leave what doesn't. So when I'm thinking about like yoga practices or yoga therapy practices, I know a lot in the HA world, it's like no movement, like maybe walking, like nothing. So for some people, and, and this is based off of what I would call a constitution of an individual, some people that actually really affects them in a pretty negative way. It affects their mental health. It affects, you know, the way their bodies actually feel. And so there are certain practices that I would say, yeah, definitely do in terms of yoga. So I would do like nothing hot, nothing sweaty, (laughs) nothing powerful, like even though yoga is attached to it, that does not mean it's what you need, but something that's like really gentle, really slow moving, even if, you know, you do like five postures and it takes like 15 minutes, not even 10, 15 minutes, it can take, it, it can have a really profound effect on the body, on the way the body feels, on the healing process, on the way the mind feels. So that's something I definitely want to throw out there is like, sometimes we hear no movement. And especially for those of us, I don't know, everybody has this story. But for those of us who have been kind of obsessed with movement, that can be very drastic. And it can also have, you know, negative effects on the flip side. So I always, I always put that out there. And, you know, there's, I'm looking on my bookshelf. There's books out there. I know there's a book. um, There's two books out and I I can also send it to you if you wanted to put in show notes on fertility and yoga for fertility. And there's, you know, some really basic, when I say basic, I mean, you can easily do them at home without a teacher yoga practices that are really focused on hip opening, getting blood flow into the pelvis opening up the heart space, opening up the chest, allowing the breath to move. So I think those kind of practices, if like we take nothing, like just no hot yoga, (laughs) no intense yoga, but you can still do it. And there can be really, there can be a lot of benefit to it with the right practices.
0: Okay. So say I am (laughs) a intense exercise fiend, Mm -hmm. which I am slash was, and I'm like, I just don't think that the my void can be filled with five postures. Yeah. Is, is there a benefit, like could I potentially be surprised if I just give it a shot? So basically I'm super reluctant, mm-hmm. but if I if I try, is this something that you think I could be pleasantly surprised by? Mm-hmm. Someone who just like really craves and loves movement? Yeah. Or do you think there needs to be more of like a, a process to get to that? point where I can do five postures and that can really yeah, help make me feel really good.
1: Yeah. So it depends, depends on the person. I, I would probably ask you why, like, I'd want to get more to the root of like, what is, like, where does the exercise feed? Like, where does all that movement, where does it come from? Like, why are you moving your body so much? And so you could answer that question or somebody else could. Sometimes it's like, well, I have to, I have so much anxiety, I have so much stress, this is the only way that I can get it through my body. And then I might ask more, like, okay, well, where, where is the stress coming from? Like, what are essentially, what are you trying to control for? And as we keep kind of getting down to the root of why we're moving so much, because if we really look at it, if our body is like not producing a period, something's wrong. So clearly, like the body's trying to give us a signal of, hey, this is a, this is a signal that that's not necessarily we're treating the symptom or the signal, but that something's actually wrong here. So if we really dig deep, Maybe we actually don't want to move that much. Maybe we're actually mm-hmm. trying to control for something else that's coming up in our life. So I think if I was working with somebody one-on-one, I would just keep asking why, why, why? And I'm, I'm going to be really honest. I know a lot of people are super resistant to this. They're like, no way. Like, this is just the way I am. This is just the way I have to be. But I, I would suspect that for people who are that intense, like that intense in terms of like fitness and exercise, there is a reason, there's a root cause of why that is. And then from there, I would say like, for me, and this is why it took six months. You know, even longer. I, I was—I had HA for two and a half years before I got my period. So maybe longer because I was on the pill and I just didn't know. But I would say that you might have to step it down gradually. So, like for example, if if we're a runner, it's going to be really—I understand that it's going to be really hard to be like I cannot do any running and then I'm going to just sit and then do five postures. And so this mm-hmm. is why it's on such a case by case basis. Like you might say, all right, well, I call it a walk. <laughs> like you might like walk for three minutes and then jog for a minute and then walk for three minutes and jog for a, or something along those lines. Uh, and then you might like bring it down to do like a, you know, an hour yoga practice and then maybe a 30 minute. But yeah, I mean, I would say if I, if somebody was that open, I could say, try these five postures. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. And they're open to it. Yeah. They're going to see benefit, but if they're not open to it, probably not like they're probably going to resist it the entire time. Okay. So, yeah. ha-
0: so being open and, and ready to to do this kind of full, yeah. full on all in is really mm-hmm. important. And you having some resistance, it can be harder to get the benefits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're having a resistance and that's, and that's where I would say like, why, like, where is this resistance coming from? Is it like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have a panic attack if I don't, if I don't do something that's really intense. You know, I'm afraid my body's going to look a certain way if I don't do it. I'm afraid, mm-hmm. you know, like where I'm afraid I'm not going to be enough if I don't do this certain thing. Usually the Usually the root cause of almost all of these questions is I am not enough. I am not worthy because fill in the blank. That's usually where it comes from.
0: So how do you feel then about people working with a therapist or something similar mm-hmm. while they're going through this? In In this moment, it sounds amazing if you would be able to like have a chat with a mental health professional or just a support system yep. of some kind whilst you're integrating these mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, so I 100% think that's amazing. My yoga therapy practice, I do a little bit of talk therapy. I'm not a talk therapist. So I usually stop it after like the 15-20 minute mark. And then we get into the body, then we do movement, then we do breath work. And I give you homework and practices that you would do from home. Mm -hmm. If you didn't want to go that route, and you wanted to find a mental health therapist and integrate your yoga that way, I think it's paramount because a lot of times, like in any diagnosis, we think it's just about the body, but the mind is really involved. And oftentimes, like a symptom in the body is actually pointing to a, a, mental, uh, a mental condition. And, and I say that, uh, this could be a whole other rabbit hole that we go down. I say that with an awareness of the chakra system. So the chakra, are you familiar with the chakra system?
0: I am familiar
1: yeah, it's it's a, it's basically subtle anatomy. So we have like physical anatomy, we have our physical form, like our muscles and our bones and all of that. So subtle anatomy is actually, it's these energy centers that if you look in like, if you Google it, you'll see them run up and down the midline there, these mm-hmm. seven energy centers that run up and down the spine. They're also all over the body, but that's that's a much bigger conversation. And so what the, the chakras point to is just different imbalances that are physical and also emotional. So if we look at we're just gonna open Pandora's box for a second. If we look at uh, the the center where, where reproduction is, that's like the sacral region of the body, this would be second chakra. And second chakra is all about creativity and flow and pleasure and joy and bliss in life. And sometimes, and I'm not gonna say all the time, but sometimes, and this is all, certainly my story, is with a, a diagnosis like HA, we are pushing really hard in, in one or multiple areas of our lives. And we also may not be allowing ourselves to feel what pleasure actually is, to experience joy, to be all in. And so by focusing some of our practices in that region that I mentioned earlier, so like the hips, the pelvis, all of that area, like bringing blood flow there, we're actually healing multiple parts of our layers, our body, our energetics, our energetic selves and our minds. And so certainly having a therapist could help with that to help to combine those two worlds.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Well, in a perfect world, (laughs) you have all those things. Um, Yeah, you
1: have a team, right? It takes a village. It takes a village to like have a child. It takes a village sometimes in terms of your your health and your wellness.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) All
0: right, tell me a bit about how acupuncture and yoga, like, actually work slash help you.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a big question. Did you have? I I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. So I mean, choose one or be. An overview, but for someone like me who's like never really dove down the rabbit hole of Chinese medicine and of yoga practices and understanding all the chakras and and that kind of thing, yeah. You know, say I'm like that's super woo-woo, right? What how could you explain to me from like a high level, like it's Mm -hmm. not that crazy? (laughs) Right. Here is what it is
1: yeah so I'll also I'll sort of like I feel like it's helpful to share a little bit my story so acupuncture mm-hmm. even as somebody who's been practicing yoga at that point for uh, the time I started acupuncture I've been practicing yoga for close to like six years you know at seven years I was a teacher trainer you know I was teaching all over the- I had my own studio uh, I was really resistant to acupuncture I was really nervous about it so I'll definitely say that that even though I was like bought into this world of there is something else than just the physical experience or something else in terms of like our emotional field and our energetic field and all that. I'm still like, "Eh, I don't know, like putting needles in my body. I'm not sure. I will say that the time that I spent with my, my doctor of oriental medicine, who I love, and he's in Pennsylvania, so nowhere near me now. I'm in Rhode Island now, so not nowhere near me. He, I have felt, I've never felt more present, especially at that time. I'd never felt more present in my body and in my life than the time that I was with him. So it was almost for me when I did acupuncture, like a weight lifting, you know, I've done all these practices in terms of yoga and yoga definitely helped, but in acupuncture, you cannot move. Like you are literally laying on a table. So it's literally teaching you how to be still. And if you have a very good doctor, they're going to go through your blood work. They're going to go through your medical history they're going to go through all these things and they're going to find out which what we hear a lot in, in Western world is what's normal. And so this is something that I, I love about the Eastern world is there's yes, there's normal like ratios. There's normal in terms of like the, the the spectrum and if you're looking at like a blood work or hormones, but there's also what's normal for you, for the individual. And so good practitioners will say, yeah, that's normal, but clearly it's not working for you because you still have HA, right? Or you still have whatever it is. So I think, you know, this is. That the act of learning to be still is something that we do not learn in our culture. It's not something we learn. It's not something we value. And so I, when I think about acupuncture, it was literally the time for me, even as a yoga teacher, like as a business owner, as a yoga therapist, it was that time for me that I literally had to learn how to be still and I couldn't do anything. So I, I will say like, <laughs> that's like a really high level. There's other things happening while those needles are in, but it was really beautiful. And the whole part of yoga, everybody thinks yoga is about like movement and it's about de-stressing and all that. And it is like, for sure. But the movement is a means to teach you how to be in your stillness to actually teach you how to be with yourself. And if we all could learn how to do that, I swear there would be so much less stress in the world. Like there would just be if we could learn to be with ourselves, and be with our thoughts and not be so wrapped and absorbed and thinking that we are our thoughts, our bodies would respond a lot differently.
0: Mm-hmm. I love this actually like it kind of just a light bulb in my head went off yeah where because I have done um acupuncture and I really I did experience mm-hmm. that for like one hour I basically almost fell asleep yeah I was so relaxed and I did that for one hour instead of one hour of intense exercise yeah. so replacing the exercise with that in my schedule both fills that gap in my schedule makes me feel like I'm doing something you know good for myself yeah which is kind of like a, a tendency people with ha is like feeling like we're being productive yeah are being put in this position where you are forced to chill out and then there's also you know the magical wonderful benefits of acupuncture which yeah. i don't fully know myself but yeah. they're happening mm-hmm. and you if you if you're someone with AJ, there's a high chance that you're like a, a multitasker, high achiever, do, 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 go, mm-hmm. go, go person. And yeah, it just sounds like an amazing opportunity, both yoga and acupuncture, yeah. to force yourself out of that. And my experience with doing yoga was actually extremely anxiety inducing mm-hmm. in the beginning, right? Because I would be in this pose and it's like, half an hour 45 minutes in and I just want to go and do something productive Yes, like this yoga thing I'm so hating this right now Mm -hmm. and realizing that that's happening is like that's incredible I'm exactly where I need to be exactly it's exactly where I need to be so if Mm -hmm. anyone is sitting there like well I don't want to do that because that's going to stress me out even more yeah you know maybe it's something that's just worth like being aware that that's the thought you're having and then realizing okay well then maybe this is something for me and when those thoughts come up of like <gasps> yeah I hate this I could be doing so much more I could be working out I could be um you know just mm-hmm. doing my job my super high stress job yeah. that's kind of when you're like okay good that means I'm in the right place totally
1: That's like, that's the whole purpose of yoga too, is like the study of the self. So when we start recognizing like our relationship to productivity, like, why do I have this need to always be productive? Like, what is that from? You know? And I would say that's a really common, a really common thing that happens in yoga, especially for those of us who are like, yeah, I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do the intense thing, the vinyasa flow, which I love vinyasa, especially as a dancer. Like that's something that I really do love. It can be really hard to, to slow it down because that's where we're actually learning to be with ourselves. That's where we're starting to learn. Oh, I have these thoughts. I have other things I need to unpack. I just don't want to necessarily. And I'm not ready to, but yoga will actually facilitate that process. So I think that's yeah. actually beautiful, beautiful that you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm like a total stress head. When if you, <laughs> I need to be like brushing my teeth and doing something at the same time. Yeah. So for me to to use those types of things to like yeah. help pull me out of that is really valuable. And I think a lot of people listening will find that too. Yeah. It's um, really, Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, and <laughs> but you can add on okay. your thing after I do, especially right now during COVID and, yeah. um, and really just like, I honestly do get quite a few messages from people who are like, well, I just can't afford all of these things. I would love to then talk about breath work. Cause that sounds yeah. like something that's super valuable that you can do, as soon as you finish listening to this episode?
1: Yeah, yeah. So breath work, when I talked about the kosha model and having these five different layers of what it means to be human, the breath is like the second layer. So we have like our physical, which we think would be, the breath would be a part of that, and it is. But breath is really related to that prana, that life force energy that we talked about. So literally when you're breathing air into the body, you're breathing prana in. And there are hundreds of breath techniques. I mean, you could go anywhere. Like you could type them in and and really see them. But what we're trying to do is actually get breathing techniques that ground you. So one of the practices that's just, you know, anybody can do is to just sit down. You can set a timer for two or three minutes and just start to notice your breath. Just start to give your breath different adjectives. So as you breathe, notice if the breath is shallow, you know, if it's smooth, if it's jagged, if it gets stuck anywhere in the body. So you're just learning to study it. And by doing that, you're naturally starting to drop yourself out into that, like out of that scattered, constantly doing, constantly productive place and into your body. And that's the practice. That's actually what we're trying to learn how to do is to learn to slow down and be still and be with ourselves. So that's like very, very, very simple practice. Another uh, practice that I often recommend is counting the breath and having an equal inhale and an equal exhale. So, you know, as you inhale, you might inhale for a count of four. And as you exhale, you might exhale for a count of four. A lot of us, that sounds really easy. For a lot of us, it's actually tremendously difficult. A lot of us have a really hard time taking a deep breath, or we might have a really hard time exhaling that completely. Both of those things point to what I would call, this is what I was going to talk about earlier, is, um, is really high, what we call vata, really high air energy, which means like scattered energy rather than like water, earth energy being grounded into the body. And we need all of the elements, but what it will do is that breath will just bring it back into balance and start to teach us how to actually build our own prana. And eventually you might, as you sit, you might breathe in for four, breathe out for four. And after like two or three minutes, you might notice, oh, I actually have more breath capacity. I want to stay here. You might increase the count. You might increase to six, exhaling for six and eight and eight and ten and, and ten and ten. So those are two practices to get to get started. It's just noticing the breath and then equalizing the breath.
0: I don't know how many um Clients that you work with that specifically have age A, but from your experience or even just your hunches, how big a role, sorry, my video like keeps freezing my face on this <laughs> horrible, and then I just have to like restart it again. It's so annoying. Um, how many people do you think are really suffering more from the, the stress, commitment, mm-hmm. overload, perfectionism thing than just being in this like calorie deficit, energy deficit situation. Mm -hmm. Totally loaded question. And it's probably just like what, like what your hunch or your theory is.
1: Mm, Okay. It's a really good question. I think it's a both. I think that the perfectionism is actually what leads to the calorie counting, the macro counting, like all that stuff. It leads, it leads to the deficiency because we're so obsessed with perfection and in our culture, perfection is is taught as something that's really hard to attain you know perfection doesn't yeah. actually exist so i think it's a both and like i, I really do i think that the the wanting certain outcomes cuz lots of times when we see folks who have ha and this is also like a grand stereotype so a generalization so this is not for everyone totally, totally but they're also really high achievers you know even when you see like young girls who have hypothalamic amenorrhea who are gymnasts or who you know are running track or whatever they're also pretty high achievers, but not in their sport, but in other areas of life. And so I think that this feeds into it. And the question just becomes like, why? Like, why Why am I like, why do I have this? Why do I have this desire? And I I was totally there. I always say I'm a reformed type A. You know, sometimes I have that tendency to lean back that way. But it's just constantly asking the question, like, who is this perfect for? You know, because at, at some point, the the Constant movement and the counting of every calorie and the the watching of every little thing that we eat becomes exhausting. It like truly, and it takes away from a prana, that life force energy, which also is the thing that gives us creative energy, you know, or what we, the work that we really want to put out into the world, what we want to be known for, you know, the relationships that we want to have, you know, that kind of perfectionism starts stealing from all of those other areas of our life.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason I asked that question, that mm-hmm. was an amazing answer. The reason I asked that question is I say a lot that healing from HA is actually easy. It's the mental part. That's really oh, hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And I don't think that anyone so people get HA who, who don't have these perfectionistic tendencies. Right. Yeah. And a lot of those people are not listening to this podcast. And that <laughs> the reason is because they find out they have it, they find out the solution and they just fix it. And, and it's not a big it. deal. Right. For
1: them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: If, it, if it's hard for you, you're probably listening to this show and you've read every book and article mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I really think that like, if you could maybe get your period back but you'll probably lose it again mm-hmm. because you haven't fixed the root issue exactly. which is your insane perfectionism mm-hmm. and your need to multitask and your need to be busy and your need to just like fit this mold that, mm-hmm. that society has made for you so that's why was really pumped to talk to you I feel like these modalities are such an important way for you to create long term sustainable recovery yeah and not just like eat more exercise less get one period back and then like have to white knuckle for the rest of your life that's right uh, making sure you always have a period while you hate everything about it Mm -hmm. you know if you can can do this breath work do this meditation do this yoga find and it will help you realize you know, that there's so much more to you and to life and to yeah. relaxation that yeah. that I just feel like that's such a selling point to yeah. getting on top of these things.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes we create these practices in our lives, whether it's like, you know, our, our exercise, like our, I don't even really love the word fitness anymore. So I don't really use mm-hmm. it, but you know, our fitness our eating, like we create all of these, you know, our work, you know, wanting to climb a ladder, we create all these practices because we're, we're striving for something to, to create worthiness. Like this is what makes me worth, like, even productivity. Like this is what makes me worthy. And what those things do is they create a lot of rigidity in our lives. So they create almost too much structure, you know, and that those are, as we talked about, those are all added stresses. And as, as I mentioned, the chakra system and anybody can Google it, it's fascinating. If you want to go down that, that journey, uh, as you just pointed to, that's all very root chakra related. So root chakra sits at the base of the spine and it's all about kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We really have to have this basic need of, of worthiness and understanding that we are worthy as we are, just as we are in this moment, that we actually don't need anything to pile on top of us to actually attain that. And so when we start to let these really rigid structures go, we begin to have more fuller experiences with life. This is, in yoga, we would call it Shakti. We would call it life force. That, that's a different variation of life force energy. It's more, um, I don't think it'll be weird to say, more like goddess energy.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's really like like if you want to change your life Mm
1: -hmm. and you really want
0: to heal from this, this very strong foundation and structure that you've created for yourself, this is such an amazing route.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I just like, I love the idea of waking up and doing some breath work and doing some yoga and like getting out into nature as much as possible and just how life changing that can be Mm -hmm. and how much that can help you to stay on track with the, you know, with the other physical protocols of like resting more and eating Mm -hmm. more. The two really like supplement each other in a really important way.
1: Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. 100%,
0: yeah. Cool, all of that just sort of came to me through this whole like listening to you talk about all of it.
1: beautiful, Yeah. yeah. And as you say that too, this whole like getting up and like, you know, morning practices are so important, morning rituals and routines, are so important. If we can start to also reframe the conversation about what is movement, you know, like breath work actually is a form of movement. So as you talked about, I'm replacing my run or my exercise with going to the acupuncturist. I can replace some of that time. You know, once I get comfortable with doing like 20, 30 minutes of breath work or meditation or both together, you know, this, this is a form of movement. You have to be able to expand your, your ribs and your belly and your heart space and the back body to breathe you know a lot of us we suck it in you know we're rigid all the time and so that also is a form of movement and it can feel incredible it can feel really really good
0: awesome yeah. thank you so much yeah. for sharing all that and giving everyone a bit of insight into something that's kind of like for a lot of people just very alien mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they haven't gotten to to um I don't know, like just chat with someone who yeah. understands all of this kind of thing. So we have only a few minutes left. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a, two more questions. One of them is just about body image. This is just a yeah. huge one for so many people listening. And I feel like every guest has just something super valuable to share yeah. on it. So one of the biggest roadblocks when it comes to healing HA is your body image. Is just yeah. looking in the mirror and- freaking out
1: mm-hmm. so
0: if someone's having a negative body image day their recovery what is a tip or two or a perspective that you could share to help someone just get through that
1: yeah one of the biggest things I would say is to acknowledge it so rather than being like beating yourself up about oh my gosh like you know I can't believe I'm having that thought about myself having that thought you know like I'm having this bad body image day, is to just acknowledge it just to be like okay this is how I feel in this moment because one of the things about yoga is to actually acknowledge every single emotion that we feel and that none are right or wrong or good or bad. They just are. And from there, if we can acknowledge that this is how I feel in this moment, we can start maybe get a little bit more curious about like why that is. You don't even have to ask that question, but you might. You might say, like, okay, why? And just giving yourself that grace. So that would be that would be the number one thing. I also think it's really important to get in your body on those days. And I don't mean get in your body in terms of like, Getting on like your spin bike or whatever, you know, like running, like walking miles and miles, but allow yourself, you know, in yoga, we think about it oftentimes as um, just these series of postures, but like shaking, tapping, dancing, singing, anything that just drops you into your body to actually remind you of this vessel is really, really important. I would also say it's incredibly important. Uh, In Ayurveda, we're also talking about like adorning the body and taking care of the body that you have. You have clothes, you have scarves, you have things that you love, that feel cozy, that feel nice on your skin and that you put on. And when you put those on, you feel you feel pretty good about yourself. I actually say that a lot in this like COVID world is like wear comfortable clothes, wear beautiful clothes if you can, you know, like really wrap your body in something like warm and cozy and loving because that will start to to shift the the energy around those other negative emotions that you have.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. That's like a more beautiful, tangible way of like, that concept of just get up in the morning and get dressed and like, mm-hmm. yeah, have a shower and wash your face. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, to adorn yourself. Adorn and, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I think so often, too, when we go through like HA, so, and we go through any of these experiences, we might be like, really, um, I, I went through this where I wore like a lot of like, black and gray, and I still wear black. I mean, I'm from the DC area. So I still wear black. But like, The idea of like, wait a second, I'm actually going to put on like a bright, you know, scarf or a good pair of earrings. It can just really change, really change the way that you show up, change your vibration.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, Thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you and what Mm -hmm. you do and how you work with people?
1: Yeah, I would say the best place would be to go to my website. So that's yogadeer.com and deer is spelled like deer diary. It's D-E-A-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, dot com. There are tons of resources on there. I write about every week, whether it's about women's health or about making yoga really, uh, really practical. So this week I actually wrote about water and bringing the water element into your life, which is very related to that sacral chakra, that pleasure, you know, that bringing that uh, the element of bliss into your world. Um, also very related to HA. So I wrote about that. That would be the best place. There's other resources there too. There's you want to start your own home practice and you have no idea how to set it up you don't need a whole room you don't need a whole yoga room you can have a corner of that room i have a whole guide on how to do that on my website it's totally free you can download that and there's also a free meditation there too a yoga nidra meditation where i guide you through 20 minutes of relaxation you actually lay down so it's kind of like you're sleeping but you're actually what yeah so you can audio it's an audio Mm -hmm, audio meditation Yeah, just all about, like, letting yourself, like, huh, just be an yes. Yeah, so that resource is there. Uh, I have a couple other resources there on navigating anxiety and depression and loss, which I think is also very wrapped in HA. We could have a whole conversation about that. That's on my website, too. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay,
0: tons of resources for people yeah. to just, like, go down a rabbit hole, which is fantastic. Yeah. So thank you for creating all of that. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying at the beginning, it's so hard to find things. Yeah. Yeah. Just like helpful, practical, tangible things that people can do right. to help right them in mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah.
1: I answer every email. So if you send me a message, I'm, I'm happy to answer and point you in directions. Awesome. That's
0: helpful too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the links to the, all the things she mentioned will be in the show notes. And thank you so much, Leanne. I'm yeah, just so happy you of this. And um, please reach out to Leanne, reach out to me and tell us what you think thought mm-hmm. if there's anything you feel like we left out that's just so important because i'm like we obviously didn't we like scraped a tiny I mean, bit of like
1: that. part two <laughs> yeah, something
0: like that. and if you have any any questions then i can just have Leanne back on so that's just yeah. too easy
1: yeah awesome cool. well thank you thank you danny
0: thanks for listening today and if you want to get involved in the conversation with me with other amazing women just like the ones that you hear on the show, I recommend you get on the waitlist for The H.A. Society. It opens on the new moon of every single month. So if you're not on the waitlist, go to the show notes or just head to waitlist.thehasociety.com or thehasociety.com or wherever you want to go and join on that waitlist. And whilst I have you here, I think it would be amazing if you left a review for this podcast, rate or review the podcast. It helps give me clout, allows me to get more badass guests on the show and helps other women just like you find the podcast more easily when they're searching around on the internet or confused why they don't have a period and it can help them find us in our little community that we have right here. Okay. I love you. Have a good one.